0: We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesley
1: demands. Now, this affects Iris. Some Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you.
0: Don't take drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris.
1: Greetings and welcome to or whatever movies. I am your co-host Iris, and I'm here with my elder brother, Wesley. And today we are talking a film from 2022,
0: The Women of Inisharan and Knives Out mystery.
1: (laughs) The Women of Inisharan.
0: Today I shall be as August, meek, unspoken, crying several times. (laughs)
1: He does cry a lot. He's very sensitive.
0: You're going to have to carry this one, man. This is another movie that I don't feel qualified to speak on necessarily, other than the merits of its filmmaking.
1: Oh, you can say all kinds of villainous male things that I could pick apart. <laughs> you do not speak unless I allow you to. A woman yes, is talking.
0: I'll not speak while you ramble on with your wild female imaginations. <laughs>
1: Uh, Women Talking takes the record. Oh, yeah? Five nights.
0: Five nights for you to watch it?
1: Took me five nights. Oh, my God.
0: It's like a 90-minute stage play.
1: Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't based on a stage play.
0: No, but the the novel, Miriam Taves, is how you pronounce it.
1: Miriam Taves? T-O-E-W-S is Taves?
0: Yep, but Sarah Polly, She's been around for a long time. I like her as an actress and as a director.
1: What is her notable performance? Was it Go?
0: Uh, go and then I I guess she was in I mean she was in a bunch of different movies The Weight of Water and stuff but then she was in uh the Dawn of the Dead remake.
1: Mm-hmm. Academy Award nominated for not only Best Picture but also screenplay right.
0: Uh, be- yeah best adapted screenplay for this one.
1: Yeah, which so she wrote and directed Women Talking, and she's got people talking. Women Talking is definitely an entree into a into a another world a foreign world the world of um mennonite women
0: i don't know undefined time undefined location
1: no no they define it specifically as 2010 because yes, the census
0: but the reason it's a knives out mystery is because we i spent half of the movie trying to figure it out
1: all like the village style spoiler yep. Yeah, and I think that was the purpose of the census, right? It's a it's a somewhat non-intrusive, non-artificial way to introduce that this is not taking place like in the early 19th century.
0: Yeah, but there were clues, and I don't know how intentional they were. So you know that unfortunately this is based on a true story down in Bolivia. Cow tranquilizers and the whole deal. Pretty awful. And while this wasn't specified in as Bolivia and no one in this had a South, Amer- South American accent, they uh, talked about guiding themselves by the Southern Cross or whatever. Yeah. And that's primarily only recognizable as a constellation in the Southern Hemisphere.
1: Good point. Yeah, because I was wondering, why aren't they navigating by the North Star?
0: Or their phones. They could ask passersby on the street to use their phones, but we don't know when this is.
1: Interesting. So you're saying that this may have been set in Bolivia, for all we know. Uh, No, but the census was, they may have specified the location in the census, and the census was definitely in English.
0: So it was just maybe a vague allusion or a reference, an adaptation.
1: Yeah. I imagine the Bolivian Mennonites would probably speak Spanish anyway. But who knows? Um,
0: and I was looking for the clues to, to help clue us in. Uh, when the one said that she wanted to shoot dudes in the head and bury them deep, I was like, well, that's a kind of a contemporary outlook. <laughs> um, and so that was a clue.
1: Oucha. Or ouchie. Oucha. <laughs> there was oucha and then there was nietzsche. Oucha was our narrator, right?
0: Uh, sure, Everyone is so stripped down. I recognized Francis McDormand, and I was like, "There's Francis McDormand." That's Claire Foy. I don't know who that is. That's like a poor man's Rooney Mara, and then it was <laughs> Rooney Mara.
1: Yeah, um, Rooney, Rooney Mara disguised as a as a redhead.
0: A little bit weird. Yeah,
1: almost unrecognizable.
0: They were all pretty stripped down. Uh, this movie got bluer and bluer, like like just color wise, not not emotionally. As Just more desaturated. On, this was, it did feel, like you said, in a very specific other world kind of feel. You know, not, not something as a part of our experience, but mm-hmm. rather something contained and curious and in that way, I, I guess stylistic. It had a vibe.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that it had a vibe, but the vibe itself was very stripped down, minimalist, the performances for the most part, understated. I mean, I guess the title kind of sums it up, right? This is a movie about women talking, more specifically discussing what the plan is. And then I, I it was probably about 30 minutes in where I realized that the whole thing was going to be dis- them discussing the plan. <laughs> and I, so I kind of settled into that. And it was probably maybe about another half hour later where I realized the inevitable that they were going to leave, which seemed a little anticlimactic. Oh, not to me. But it was a little bit welcomed because I was a little tired of not knowing where this was going. Why, did, why wasn't it anticlimactic to you?
0: Well, we go by the old adage that if a gun is introduced in Act 1, it has to go off by Act 3, right? Mm. They had a gun. They, that gun didn't go off, but not to say I didn't expect it to. I was like, there's the gun. And it wasn't until Scarface's kids showed up again and you'd be like, oh, that's mean. That's her. how she's credited. Frances McDormand's credited as Scarface Jams.
1: Scarface or Jams. Jams. Or whatever,
0: right. And it wasn't until her kids defied her and showed up as part of the group that I was like, oh, they're actually going to leave and they're actually going to make it. I thought they were all going down in a hail of gunfire upon their exit.
1: Oh, so you're saying even after they made the tacit decision to leave, that things were going to go awry?
0: Yeah, they're dead. Because if they get out, then they expose the colony to the world. The beach style, it would have been an end to their community had this Mm -hmm. become, you know, worldwide news or whatever. After something of this magnitude, it couldn't have gone back to the way it was.
1: Mm hmm. Like
0: the women of Inish Aaron or like Banshees of Inish Aaron. I don't know. I guess it was supposed to be a major revelation like, oh, this isn't, you know, Pilgrim times or or Mennonite times or the Vivitch times. This uh, Puritan. That's what it is. This is contemporary. But now what do you do with that information? Right. It could mm. have been 2010. It could have been 1910.
1: Right. It's just to show that they are how truly isolated and set apart they are.
0: Yep. And the Ben Wishaw character August at one point says something about World War 2, so it was obviously post World War 2 and I was like, well that's something.
1: What do you think Ben Wishaw represents in Women Talking?
0: The only representation of men in a in a promising young woman kind of way without the August character, every dude is a rapist, all of them. They're all mm. bad. And they can't necessarily be all bad specifically because you have the one dude who's very meek and sensitive and trying to be helpful. What do he say? uh I want to help, but I don't know how
1: mm. yeah,
0: but he's all bunged up by love and and unrequited love and and all this stuff
1: unrequited till the end. he needed to say that he needed to speak it out loud
0: right, but in tw- in 2010 was he quoting Whitney Houston <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why do you have to ruin a good moment? He wasn't plagiarizing. He was speaking from the heart.
0: All good moments were ruined in this film. Anytime they would say something solemn and heavy, they'd all like start laughing. And I get that it's it's disarming in a way or it's a way to dispel the tension. But it happened multiple times. And I was like, that's weird, but I guess real.
1: It's their own way of it's the character. Yeah, it's very in character for them to cope by turning it into humor.
0: Well, what are we going to do? We'll kill them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the funny one that didn't get a laugh from the characters but but elicited a chuckle from me was um when outja or Nietzsche or whomever <laughs> corrects the use of the f-word someone misuses the f-word and she's like you use it this way and then and everyone ignored her how the women were exposed to the f-word how the women could speak so eloquently was a little bit lost on me
0: oh it's a uh,
1: <laughs> uh, wow, that was a very formative rumspringer for these. When when does that happen?
0: It's I think it's, it's definitely of age. It's like 19 or something.
1: Yeah, let's look. Uh, according to Wikipedia, for Amish youth, the rumspringer normally begins at age 16 and ends when a youth cl- chooses either to be baptized in the Amish church, and in this case, Men- Mennonite, or to leave the community. Oh, it says for Wenger Mennonites, which these may or may not be Wenger Mennonites, Rumspringa occurs between ages 17 and 21.
0: The point being, they, they cut them loose before they can rent a car, before they can uh, drink. You know, they could probably do drugs and drink anywhere or whatever, but like they could only do so much at 16, 17 years old. I mean, you right. talk about industrious kids in the modern age who are like trying to secure booze or whatever when they're teenagers. Imagine an Amish person who has to ask nicely if they could attempt uh, your malt beverage, please. Like you're not gonna get very far, so you can't spring that. You can't get all rum sprung like terribly well. <laughs> and I know it seems like we're mocking or whatever. It's it's uh... definitely a foreign concept to me. But the ill-defined nature of this colony. What did you say? Yep. Community colony or whatever is. I don't know if it was Mennonite or if it's Amish or if Mennonites are Amish and uh, vice versa.
1: The Bolivian colony that inspired the novel was Mennonite. What do they call it? Womenites. They were womenites. (laughs) Um, Not only did they have great vocabulary, but they spoke so eloquently about heavy philosophical issues, heavy moral issues, the kinds of... Philosophical issues that I feel like you need foundational education to engage or to understand. It just seemed learned.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure the village style of I mean, I think the elders were definitely in the know and they were hip to it. I don't I think the colony hadn't existed for the majority of most of their lives. So they were people of another, you know, I don't mean they maybe they had some kind of alternate upbringing or whatever, which kind of more easily led them into this, shall we say, sheltered or uh, encapsulated existence.
1: You're saying that the the elder women were converts and joined the colony as adults.
0: Yes, I think they were they knew what was up and they chose this lifestyle. And hmm. not that they had been born into it. Some of the kids might have been born into it, mm-hmm. and uh, and some of the kids weren't exactly with it. I think those two girls in the beginning, when they were mm-hmm. braiding their hair, I think they were braiding their hair together to each other, which mm-hmm. is
1: dumb. Yeah, there was a picture of it in the right. In what the, if there's a fire? In the minutes left behind, they run together. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it was just another indicator, I guess, of modern progress. They seek out a more idyllic lifestyle within a very specific community that shares mm-hmm. the same ideals. And then, of course, the dudes or t- all dudes are terrible thing comes into play because hmm. it's true. As idyllic as it can be on the surface or that these women talking would have hoped or expected their lives to be... Dudes are still dudes, and dudes are terrible. August was absolutely right. 13-year-old boys are Mm -hmm. monsters, and they were going (laughs) to be a problem. They're dangerous.
1: you just got to keep them tranquilized? Something. I mean, is that the basis for, like, worldly ills is the dude hormone thing?
0: I mean, kind (laughs) of. Everybody has testosterone to varying degrees or whatever, but when it takes over, in the absence of refinement, of education, of moral
1: Social conditioning.
0: Uh, You wouldn't think, and maybe they are repressed because they also chose to join or form this colony, but then they sneak around at night and it's uh, free for all. It was really not it wasn't hard to differentiate because there are some, you know, very recognizable actresses. I didn't think for a second that when Scarface Jans left the uh, the meeting that she wasn't coming back because, I mean, you know, coming back in as a part of the movie because Frances McDormand has her absolute choice of roles and wasn't going to choose the one that pieces out halfway through.
1: She did. She pieced out, never came back and then remained in the colony Right, but she fast. was present,
0: and she was a definite, you know, dissenter or whatever that that was noteworthy. We remember her. She wasn't a character that was like, oh right, she was in the first half and didn't come back. Maybe because she is Francis McDormand. Exactly. But it's necessary because it's a vague title. Uh when we talked about it, I, you know, I was like, wait. You said we should talk about She Said. And I was like, wait, is women talking She Said? Which one is which? And Mm. it's a little bit vague. And that's maybe, you know, maybe that's bad. But I think it's also deliberate. Like when women embrace the nasty woman uh, Hillary Clinton comment, right? I'm a nasty woman. And there's like a clothing brand called Nasty Woman now. Hmm. I, I feel like women talking is something that maybe they understood that dudes would deliberately be like, that's not for me. There's a line in True Grit where <laughs> Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon are bickering and, and then Rooster breaks it down. He's like, this is like women talking <laughs> as, as a way to dismiss how they're just going in circles. It was a title intended to be provocative. And of course, this is not a question for Sarah Polly, but rather for the author of the novel. So the point is that it needed some heavy hitters in the cast. We had Claire Foy and... and and uh, Rooney Mara and Frances McDormand and Jesse Buckley, who we talked about uh, over a few movies now. They had to play strong women in this congregation of the women of the colony. But they were, it still seemed like the central tenet of their faith was mm-hmm. or or sort of this insular, idyllic thing. But then they got all fiery and talked about killing dudes and stuff.
1: Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectricCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectricCast.
0: Did you know that there were two out of three, I think, uh, girl with dragon tattoos in this movie? What? Yeah, Rooney Mara was a girl with dragon tattoo in the Fincher movie, and then Claire Foy was in the, the failed sequel. As Elizabeth huh. Salander. So two kind of hardcore ladies who are in bonnets in this one.
1: Yeah, but f- still fierce and fiery yeah. under the bonnets. I wonder if women t- getting women talking mixed up with She Said has to do with the fact that Didi Gardner and Plan B were involved with both, <sighs> produced both films. I mean, you're a big Plan B fan.
0: Yeah, yeah. we've talked about Didi Gardner and Jeremy Kleiner, 12 Years a Slave, uh, Moonlight, both Best Picture winners. I think almost back-to-back are close enough. And then women talking and yeah. So Brad Pitt obviously had a plan B and and Dita Gardner and Jeremy Klein are developing under his banner or shingle, nowhere to be found. I actually thought that the dude who came for the census was Brad Pitt. It wasn't.
1: That would have been a good cameo. The reason I didn't believe that there was going to be an all-out war between the men and women is that they purposely did not feature any male faces except for August's. To have them throw down and battle it out would have been giving too much attention and precedence to men in this film.
0: I wonder if it was a matter of convenience also, because this feels like a big, sprawling movie. It feels shockingly large in scope, and maybe that's because of the star power, despite the fact that it takes place in a single barn, more or less, over Mm -hmm. the course of 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You spent five times as much time in this barn as the actual characters did, coming up with their plan this felt bigger and i'm not sure it was and i hope it wasn't i hope that this was just a cheap in the barn kind of movie with stars but i don't think it was but it was it holds some kind of record for like the most recognized or lauded movie the worst box office return oh, no no it was in a handful of theaters and made like forty grand or something. And I think worldwide box office total. It fluctuates, but it's about be- it's somewhere between four point five and a five point five million dollar gross. And mm. I don't know what the budget was, but nobody saw women talking.
1: How could you characterize this as a failure? It's a best picture nominee, it's a multiple Oscar nominee. And I mean it seems right in their wheelhouse.
0: And I'm rooting for Sarah Polly in a big way and for all the women who talked in this movie. I just I'm hoping that some Academy recognition will help bring some more focus on this movie. It's tough themes and it's a boring title and those things aren't conducive to making money necessarily, especially when all the dudes are rapists except for Ben Whishaw.
1: What do you think the women should have done?
0: No, absolutely. Leave. I mean, you can't really it doesn't make sense to perpetrate violence. It's impossible to me to think of the consequences that stick with them dudes are like, yeah, we did that thing. Yeah, we'll go to prison. Yeah, we'll get out. It's kind of a, well, we were like all repressed and bound by our faith and it came out in ways that, that we couldn't ex- have expected or whatever. And they don't have to carry the consequences. They don't have to carry the scars on their scarred faces. They don't have to carry the kids and explain to the children, uh, the offspring of rape, how it came to be. They carry those emotional and physical scars and they have to deal with it. And... There's no other choice. You can't get yourself in deep, deeper. You can't all, you know, revenge yourself and, and and kill them or whatever because you'll end up in jail too. The only thing they could do is leave. And that's really horrible.
1: You would have left?
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I would have, I, I would like to say that as a dude, I would have left with them or helped them to leave. But that would have meant, meant I was out of there too. And I think that's the reason that August didn't go. I don't, I don't think he had the future he wanted or would have had outside because he came back, and that's kind of the only place he could be, mm. it feels he like.
1: He came back to be—he was a failed farmer. I assume he attempted to be a farmer in the outside world and then returned as a school teacher.
0: It just the the outside world wasn't for him. And I'm not sure it was for any of the ladies either, especially in 2010, maybe in 1910, where you go outside and nothing is that much different. Like it's an agrarian culture and we're going to freaking find a job on a different farm or something and raise crops. It's going to be a little bit harder for them. I'm not sure they have a place in that outside world, but they had to go. And that's another sort of tragedy that they're facing. There are no good answers and I don't think any happy endings. I'm not sure that removing themselves from the physical location where they were sexually assaulted is a happy ending.
1: If anything, there was hope that it could be a better life and especially a better life for their children. They're a little bit like immigrants immigrating to a a new world and with children in tow and probably largely dependent on those children to learn and to navigate the new world.
0: Yeah, like second language parents or whatever. Right, exactly
1: parents who are so dependent on their children to navigate. I mean, maybe it would have been it would have been more dramatic and way more violent for them to stay and fight, but it seemed an inevitability that they would leave. And it also seemed like the only choice.
0: Unfortunately, but it's a choice outside of their entire lifestyle. They they're all intelligent, forceful women, but there's so much cotton batting in the neck of the bottle, you know, like it's almost like they don't really have very many choices. Like, the Mm -hmm. horse lady was really smart, but she also thought she was dying pretty much all the time. And is it worse? Is it better or worse that they seem to understand and have perspective of their situation? Or was it like, no, Sister Mary, should we leave? It would be tremendous, and I'm sure there's beauty in the world. You know, the fact that they were more worldly than their sort of characters (laughs) let on? Yeah. (laughs) They knew that there were no good options.
1: Like they just knew, they knew enough to be dangerous and to make yeah. potentially dangerous decisions.
0: You stand as much a chance of getting raped outside than you do in there.
1: Hmm. Ah, no, right? I don't, I don't, okay. No.
0: So if you see the Amish on Rumspringa and you're like a creepy dude promising young woman style, you don't target them?
1: Uh, I mean, that's pretty low.
0: They're banding together with their wagons, dude. They're targets.
1: I'm not saying that they're not targets, like just not knowing how to navigate the world makes them vulnerable, for sure. But I I would like to think that there is a, a certain amount of decency. I mean, I think the immigrant parallel, like there's lots of very successful people who immigrate and succeed. Absolutely. There's dangers everywhere, but there were very specific dangers that were unavoidable in, in what was supposed to be their safe and God-fearing colony.
0: I'm guessing it's good. Their knowledge, their wisdom, their perspective Their ability to articulate and to critically assess their situation. It wasn't really all rage and hatred.
1: It's never not good. Knowledge is never not good. But it doesn't mean that it's not painful.
0: Disagree. Yeah, I'm cursed by knowledge and and intellect on a daily basis. The, at least there wasn't like rage and, and screaming and uh, it was a little bit of, of rage and we should murder all of them. But I mean, they even gave some credence to the notion that maybe they're innocent. <laughs> they at least it was their own, own sort of barn level legal proceedings. You know, it was like a trial Sense of justice. Right. Right. And they at least considered the angles, even if some of those angles were almost immediately laughed down. Like no we saw them do it. Well, you know, got to look at it from all sides, I guess.
1: And that's I think that's one of the that's a good example of the sof- level of sophistication that they brought to this conversation, like innocent until proven guilty.
0: Right. They they each had something to contribute from their varying perspectives, all of which were they were damaged by this terrible thing that happened to them and all brought a, a perspective that challenged the others and in some cases encouraged or motivated the others to a decision because they weren't all of like, I'll do whatever you say, you know? And so in that, in that way, it was good. It was just, they're in a pit to deal with and they're starting from a place of massive deficiency and there are no good options and they have to think their way out of a hole. And I'm not sure that things are any better on the surface. Like, right. Women talking has a boring title, but it has a great cast. Women talking is about rape and really heavy themes, but blah, blah, blah. Like there is no blah, blah, blah. There is no good thing that offsets it to make it like, but you got to see it because because unless that thing is the star power and the creative force behind the making of this movie.
1: I think it feels big because it is heavy and because it's morally, spiritually, emotionally really important, but it's kind of content light. And from a filmmaking perspective, it's plot light. It is character development light. I don't see big arcs for these characters. There are a lot of storytelling techniques that keep us like a little bit in the dark. And I feel like it's a little bit of a technique to add some meat to the story. Yes, The fact that it's such a slow burn and reveal is probably because it's so content light
0: it's a microcosm for sure and it seems like for a director who's embracing the themes and that kind of stuff this seems ideal it's contained it doesn't have to conform to any specific time period it's really all about the themes and it all is all sitting there talking and occasionally they get up and shift to a different bale of hay so you have to be caught by the themes and the moral dilemma not it wasn't a moral dilemma we knew what was happening and what was wrong it was just what do we do about it mm-hmm. in the face in the face of that that trauma but it did have a ticking clock and it had an arc in that each person individually had to decide where they landed. And some of them had misgivings. It felt rounded because of the perspective, but it was not so much limited. I don't think you didn't use that word, but it feels like a tidy talky female driven drama that wouldn't have guns where the weight of a single gun in their hands and the potential of what that could be by itself. It's a boring inert piece of metal. And this movie never really fired off in the way that I expected it to. That doesn't mean that it wasn't packed with potential. You just had to sympathize with their plight. I I think this is part of the problem. If you're a dude and you're like, that sucks, then that's kind of all women talking has for you. Or if you're an absolutist, like, kind of like why I was, what would you do? Oh, I would have left, for sure. That doesn't make for much of a movie. Mm. But you have to consider their situation and the repercussions, the ramifications of all or some of them leaving. Like, what does Scarface have to look forward to if all the other ladies are gone?
1: She looks forward to her place in the kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying there's a lot of movies that were bigger, uh, seemed to have everything in place that bored me to tears. And Women Talking, it's just a certain kind of story, which I can appreciate because I was more entertained by this. Ooh, that sounds so weird, right? Can this movie be entertaining? You know, because it's it's so theme based and so theme heavy.
1: Mm. And was it? 12
0: Years in a Barn.
1: Does that equal all right?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I like everyone involved in this movie, and uh, I'm disappointed by how it was and probably will continue to be received. We didn't discuss it until it was nominated for Best Picture, despite the fact that I watched it almost immediately because of Sarah Sarah Polly when we got a hold of it. And I guess there's stuff to talk about, but it wasn't the one that I was most excited about. I got all this stuff to say, partially because I'm scared.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's intended to be a little bit more contemplative, even though the women in question are are breaking free of an oppressive situation and a dangerous situation. It doesn't feel like a victory. it's pretty it's pretty somber. And I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if that's intended to kind of communicate something about women's plight. I'm I'm also not fully finding out how what the women are going through applies to me and my life. But I I didn't feel frustrated with them. I didn't feel like they were being irrational or making bad decisions. Like I felt like they were making a decision in a very difficult situation with the information that they had available to them and with a certain amount of inner moral direction and compass guiding them, which I think was very relatable. I mean, I think women talking is good. And that's our discussion on women talking still available in select theaters and VOD. If you enjoyed this discussion, let us know, 818-835-0473 or movies at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the natureback podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the
0: Wannabet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th.